Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. The performance rankings, you had to be there, crappy quiz and a slight tangent. It's incredibly useful and why not do it just because you think it's agricultural. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off the Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Now then, very happy to say in studio, Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent is with us. Good evening. Hello. Hey, Joe. And Grand Slam winner, Fiona Hayes, also on the line. Fiona, how's it going? I'm good, Joe. How are you? I am pumped for Ireland, Italy. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm looking forward to it too. I had a, had a great weekend in Toman Park, you know. <laughs> I, I, I haven't got to discuss that with you, you know, the Munster win. It was brilliant on, on Saturday, so I'm looking forward to it. It has me pumped for this Irish game at the weekend now. Sadly, we have no time to talk about that Munster win. <laughs> Uh, sorry, well, I knew you'd say that. <laughs> uh, we we talk about when they lose, Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we do crisis and monster pieces very well, but I mean, a win. What, what's there to say? Give us a chapter and verse then, because on Monday's slot, we talked to Chris Jones about the situation in Wales. We didn't really uh, give too much attention or any, in fact, to the weekend's games. So, what would you say of Munster's performance? Yeah, look, I was up in Toman Park, as I said. I just thought um, it was a really enjoyable game. I thought Munster played really well. Um, in particular, I was delighted Fekitawa, I thought, was excellent in the centre. Just to see himself and Frisch start to click now, it might be a bit late. Obviously, he's probably going out the door at the end of the season. But just in general, I, I was really happy with the performance. And, you know, backline attack in particular is really, really starting to kick. And it's it's coming into the big European games. So it's it's perfect timing. No disrespect to Osprey is probably not, you know, the best uh, team performance we've seen in a long time. But just how Munster varied their game it was exciting to watch up there and and look there's no doubt that's all true and we're definitely seeing improvements in Munster as a matter of interest given the situation in Wales those Osprey players did you get the impression any of them akin to wasn't it Dixon at the Dragons who got injured and they've since stepped in to say listen we'll honour a verbal contract however bad the injury is did the Ospreys players or, or many of them strike you as a bunch who have an uncertain future and they were desperately not trying to get injured Look, you can you can say you couldn't tell that from just looking at the the game, but obviously it's in the back of their minds. It's it's a horrible situation to be in. Um, I watched them. I was there quite early. I watched the or the warm up. They started out actually really well. I thought they were very physical with Munster, but it seemed to filter off. So I don't know if it was a, a worry of getting injured or if they just really lo- you know lost interest as the game went on. I definitely saw a bit of that. Um, you know, scrum set piece even went absolutely crazy at times. Um, um, which you can't put down to, you know, being worried about being injured. But it's got to be in their back of their their minds as they're playing these games. It's a terrible, terrible time for them. Yeah, the Jack Dixon injury, excuse me, his name is Jack Dixon, injured against uh, Leinster. And before the game, this is before he got injured, he was saying, my contract runs out in three or four months. I have a two-year-old in the house. My wife is pregnant, another baby on the way towards the end of this year. I don't know if I have an income in June, July and next year yet. And then... Injury happens and I think Di Flanagan at Dragons has pledged that the region would honour the verbal contract they had even in the event of the injury. But still, if you're Jack Dixon, Rory, verbal contracts can be broken at times. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're a Dragons player, you know, Jack Dixon wouldn't be the highest profile player in the world. Like, where do you go from there if, if your contract from the Dragons is, is not renewed or, if you know, if you get that injury 
you're looking at the championship in England, you're looking at maybe Pro D2, but it's actually quite hard to get a Pro D2 contract these days as well. Like the the rugby world has con- has uh, concertinaed a bit in the last couple of years, and, and because countries are um, trying to kind of reward clubs bringing through their own and, and priority like you know you can't get a contract Jack Dixon could never get a contract in Ireland because he, you know we don't sign players from abroad unless they fit a certain profile so you know th- it's very difficult for them and, and listening to Bernard Jackman talk about it who has much greater insight into Welsh rugby than I do it, you know the Ospreys who were down in, in Thomond on Friday they're the ones who are most at risk of being folded or being folded into an Ealing with a merger or if they lose a fourth region it will be the Ospreys who will go it sounds like so you can understand why they may not be fully focused on the job at the same time if you are thinking God I need to get a contract next season you kind of have to start performing mm-hmm. for that highlights reel that you're sending around to all the different clubs Yeah it was 58 points Munster 3 points Ospreys by the way on Friday if anyone missed that game so very much in keeping I would think with the mood around the uh, region at the moment very grim very difficult the latest development is that certainly Wales England goes ahead I have seen murmurs or suggestions that the players understand the appeal of 9-10 million from an England game in Cardiff but that the game against France is by no means a guarantee do we know have they sorted everything out today like it's only just come on before we were out uh, we were we came on air and I, I think it looked from the the soundings I saw from the journalists who were tweeting out you know who were obviously getting fed stuff from the meetings that they seem to have reached an agreement that the 20, the 60 cap rule is down to 25 now which like you're going to see an exodus, you know, of Welsh players. This like the, the agreement that they've reached seems to have um, will facilitate their star players going abroad in order to earn decent money, but also play for Wales, which is a model that is very very different to the one we have, and and we'll see whether it works for them. But certainly, it will de- devalue what the regions are able to do in the years to come. Now I haven't seen whether the, I mean, this will all come to light in the, in the next couple of hours. Whether that performance clause, you know the. The, the, the players were very much against being heavily incentivised when, when the regions were being diminished to the point where they can't compete against the Leinster well how are you going to incentivise us you know like we'll never get those incentives because the team won't be strong enough mm. um, but it does sound like they're going to that they've reached a, an agreement in the game this week will go ahead like, like they couldn't if they pull the plug on this game they pull the plug on Welsh rugby that's how valuable it is to the Welsh economy to the Welsh rugby union there'd be no money there if they pulled the plug in this game I always thought there would be resolution but they, I suppose they had to go to you know they, 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 go, they couldn't bring a knife to a gunfight they had to, to come to the table with something real to, to get the WR or you to accede to their demands but it just shows in some ways when you hold the, the mirror up to the you know when you use it as a mirror to hold up to what we have here it's a, the Irish System and I would be critical of the RFU in some regards, and I would be, you know, I, I, I certainly wouldn't be a mouthpiece for them. But like we're such, it's such a better run ship, and the system and the, the situation is so much better here than it is there. You know, our nearest neighbours, it's, it's, you know, it does make them look very good when you when you kind of look at it through that prism. Yeah, the twenty five caps, and you can still play for your country regardless of your club rugby, Fiona. I mean, on the one hand, from the union's point of view. They won't uh, scream it from the rooftops, but in the way that Tommy Bow was the best value for money Irish player for many years of the Ospreys, that's going to save them a whole chunk of change. The bigger name players can go and earn a good living in England or in France. Uh, the net result, though, from a competitive point of view is we're unlikely to see the regions contribute much in the URC or in Europe for the foreseeable. 
Yeah, and that's the worry with the UR, with them in the URC, isn't it? That they will, the big players will head away and they'll be left with, you know, they obviously haven't really looked after their academies is kind of coming out either. They haven't put much uh, money or time into those academies in the club. So you, if, if the big names start going and the players start going to England, France and, and other places and still are allowed, uh, allowed play with Wales, you, you would be worried in the next couple of years how these guys are going to play. And I suppose the one thing about Welsh rugby a lot of the time is when when you did watch them is their unity and they knew each other they only came for the four teams a lot of time maybe only for the two top teams in Wales and when you watch them Six Nations time they just seem to play off one another they're going to lose that as well because if these guys are moving to different countries you know they won't have have, have grown up playing with, with fellas or, or won't be able to understand how they're playing and they'll get a shorter time together when it comes into camp time heading into Six Nations and in turn heading into World Cups I dare say in your time as a player, you potentially had weeks where you were very frustrated with the IRFU and there were issues to be sorted out and logistics to be sorted out and various uh, frustrations. When it comes to match time, did you find as a group you were tired and emotionally drained or would it fire you up and and, and, uh, invoke some kind of a siege mentality? Yeah, I think, Joe, to be honest with you, with the women, um, like not saying put oh the poor women but at the time you know we would have it would have been just normal for things to come out about the IRFU when we we're playing so it it was never a shock to the system so the game is why we were there we weren't paid we absolutely loved rugby um we paid ourselves to travel and go to these places and you know a lot of people that went before me um counted the the time they traveled to to France as a turning point in in women's rugby in Ireland that they were just so badly treated and however everything went away but the mentality of the players to go there go on that overnight train and be able to put out a performance yeah they lost but I think it was only by two points or a couple of points in the end so I think with when I was there and when we played it was always the focus on the game and we were able to put that other stuff in the background but Joe I suppose the thing with us it was never our living we always all of us had jobs or, or university so we we played for the love of it we weren't worried about injuries because we always had to probably look after them a lot of the time ourselves anyway yeah you always so routinely beaten down it was like well what's new when remind me that overnight train to france what year was that again yeah so it was just it was 2012 it was okay. just before the the grand slam year and it um there was a big i think uh, Jeanette Fury one of the girls wrote to the Irish Times and it just got massive media um attention after that and how they how they were treated and the overnight train and the yeah. lack of sleep and being able to play so it kind of kickstarted that that big era for us yeah now you've told me some details about that in a virgin studio once upon a time and there's a documentary in it i think at some stage uh, to go through the planes, trains, automobiles uh, vibe. <laughs> yeah, uh, TG Carey just ran a, a, a documentary and it, it kind of goes and I think uh, Goose, um, the head coach at the time, talks about it and some of the girls talk about their experience and I remember, you know, I, I lived with someone who was travelling and they just were absolutely sickened when they came home because having played with one hour sleep in two days and and to lose to a really strong French team with, with French supporters roaring and shouting at them as they were running out into the pitch but they, what it done was it sparked something in this in the team to say look we can we can actually beat this team we just have to start back in ourselves mm. now uh, Rory with the view to Wales against England in Cardiff the argument was made in advance of their opening match against Ireland Gatlin's return yeah full house it will be an emotional response very scary 
then round two it was well they don't lose two in a row very often it will be an emotional response very scary and now here we are we'll see an emotional response very scary <laughs> well like I was in the stadium before kickoff, and the noise levels were off the charts and Ken Owens cried during the anthem and you were going oh my god they're going to hammer Ireland here like. <laughs> and then Ireland scored a try in the first two minutes and there's only so much emo- only so far emotion can take you when you're not that good and at the moment depending on what team he picks and like that's not been the focus all week I mean he had to delay his team announcement um, he's either going for a, a massively experienced but over the hill team or a massively inexperienced and you know potentially good down the line but not ready team and you're going up against an England team who aren't great either. Like I think I called Connacht Munster the desperation derby earlier in the year, so I probably can't do that twice. But you've got two new co- new coaching tickets, betting in new ideas in a in a in a in a race to the World Cup. England look more settled and further down the line, albeit playing a horrible style of rugby. Wales look an absolute rabble. They're at home. And there's only so much... Like, you can get carried away on that idea that they're going to get that emotional response and the car to full wrap them around and they've had a hard week and they're going to pull together. Like, have they, how much have they slept in the last week? I mean, uh, I, I can see how you form that narrative. And I don't think England are very good. So they can they can be beaten and it's, it's not beyond the realms. But I certainly wouldn't be putting any money on Wales pulling it all together this week. Yeah. That's and with that as well, sorry, Joe, just coming in on that, I'm not sure they will pick him, but um, it was good. I watched uh, Louis, Louis Rees-Samet over the weekend and, you know, he, he he's obviously back full fitness and he was he was playing some excellent rugby. So he's another guy that if he can get into that squad, whether he's he's there or not, he definitely looks like he's back playing his best rugby. He was cracking for Gloucester. I think you have to pick him, Fiona. Like, you, you look at... Yeah, um, Rio Dyer looks like he's yeah. a great a great athlete, but he's not ready yet, whereas Rees-Samet is a, is a world-class winger and I don't have that many world class players so at least then Dan Bigger has someone to pick out when he and they, they, they did spend an awful lot of time in the Scottish 22 and had chances against Ireland and couldn't finish them so like they're I'm probably contradicting myself now but if, if they can get a player like that onto the pitch then they've got a bit more youth and a bit but also mm. youth and pace but class as well mm. they just yeah they, they they were so bad against Scotland and they were pretty outclassed by Ireland they're firmly in the, the middle tier the lower of that middle tier if not just hovering above Italy at the moment um, and I just yeah I'm, I'm slow to kind of back them to kind of pull it all together okay. even though England are England will be organised and England will just kick them into the corners and mm-hmm. try and win their contestables and all, all of the kind of things that Steve Bortwick teams do it does uh, raise the prospect if they lose of wooden spoon decider against Italy and Rome yeah, and Italy back themselves. You know, I don't think they're that much better than Italy at the moment. Ireland, Italy. So that will be the four forty-five game Saturday. We start the weekend once again. Two fifteen Saturday kickoff for Ireland against Italy. Well, I'm sure you've been looking at team news and you have your finger on the pulse here. So certainly James Ryan as captain has made headlines. What else do we know? Ross Byrne starts ten. Um, that confirmed. Not not a hundred percent, but uh, albeit albeit yeah. Um, well, look if Ross Byrne didn't start having come off the bench with, with 35 minutes to go and guided them home against France it would be a massive story um, like he deserves it he's been really good in the Six Nations Sexton's not there he's 100% ruled out now ergo Ross Byrne starts and, and Crowley will be on the bench I think because he was he was kept around last weekend and Carberry was only called up on Monday I think if Carberry was going to be involved he would have been called up earlier albeit he played very well at the weekend and, and has shown some of the things that Andy Farrell probably wanted from him um, Ian Henderson will come into the second row to partner 
uh, James Ryan, the captain, and I believe he'll call, he'll call the line out. Um, I think the big questions now are whether he goes for Aki or McCluskey. Does he reward Aki for his performances off the bench and give McCluskey a weekend off? If that's the case, does he maybe use that 23 jersey to get a Jimmy O'Brien or even a Jamie Osborne in? I think that's TBD. Mm. And then the other one is whether O'Mahony uh, rotates out of the squad for Conan and you, you see a bit of a shimmy in the back row just to kind of freshen things up and just give a bit of opportunity and, and use your bench to start. And does Kelleher start ahead of Sheehan or does Sheehan start? I don't like like do you bring Herring do you keep Herring in there having had his you know, HIA issues, mistraining and stuff, Sheehan's so good. They're the kind of key issues and does Keen Heady come onto the bench after Kilcoin was very good in the France game? Mm-hmm. They're the kind of key issues. But the big headlines are, yeah, Ryan will Ryan will captain the team, Ross Byrne will start at ten, and Ian Henderson will come into the second row. And there's a few more little bits, but it, by and large it's a very strong settled team he's not we're not going to see much rotation or yeah. opportunity given I think Farrell is doubling down on a grand slam rather than looking at trying to find a boulder for the World Cup As has been Farrell's way really Fiona he's not prone to making wholesale changes in any of these competitive uh, fixtures summertime maybe is the one uh, mm. part of the year where he does uh, loosen the leash, leash a touch but he's generally about winning what's in front of you and that's that's been his his MO uh, thus far and he quibbles with that, are you, are you happy enough to have that attitude or, you, or do you think, come on, let's throw in everyone and let's see what we got ahead of the World Cup? Um, look, I'm sure Andy Farrell is going to care what I think, but I, I would love to see a couple um, rotated just um, in Italy, especially um, no disrespect to the Italians, but just watching how they played. Um, it'd be good to get a, a, a guy some game time under their belt. So I, I was even looking at it, not a mass change, but I, I'd love to see maybe Coombs getting a run out or um, we saw how good Tom O'Toole was when he came off the bench uh, in game play the other day. So even giving him a start to see how he copes under that scrum pressure would have been would have been nice for me to see. But look, Andy Farrell has done um, a perfect job so far, and he's obviously he's always spoke about his mentality of of winning and going game by by game. And if if you look at that, he's going to pick the best players to, that are available to him. So look, I, I back it a hundred percent. But I, I do feel like when it comes to World Cup time, I would have liked to see some guys have a bit more experience at international level. Yeah. Uh- so clearly, even based on the improvements you've seen in Italy and we've all seen, you still have this as like n- not even really a banana skin, if you're being honest. Look, I'll be honest with you. I mean, the last time Italy lost or won uh, was in 2013 to Ireland in Rome. Like, um, And they've lost all their home games since then. That was, you know, so they're they're not... Um, they're improving with their all-round gameplay, but just Ireland are just really, really good at the minute, and the it, Italy just looks so unstructured at times. Um, I think it'll fall into Ireland's game plan. I mean, they try to to run out of five meters out, even behind their goal line. They'll try and run the ball. They 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 seem to just do to- things sometimes Crowley has done really well with them but just do stupid things at, at times when they've done such magical we know their passing game their footwork they're silky smooth they've got lethal players but I think just coming into this uh, game and it, I know it's on in Rome not an easy place to travel to I think Ireland ha- have have a lot um, have way too much on Italy and to be honest with you I think if they had changed 10 of the team I think they'd still give the Italians a good crack yeah yeah, like like Ireland's average winning margin against Italy since about 20, 2015 has been about 30 or 40 points. So for Italy to even close that gap to 20 is a sign of progress. Ireland are better now than they've ever been in that in that period. Maybe 2018, you, you could argue, but I, I think they're better now and, and they're more... 
like because they're picking the strongest team he's not like you know Schmidt would, would actually have rotated more in this yes, fixture uh, at times yeah. certainly in the 2019 one he did mm. um, I mean even Farrell like Farrell started Mike Lowry against him at home last year um, at full back and, and one or two others um, Ryan Baird it was his last start I expect him to be involved ahead of Coombs at the weekend partly because they've lost Joe McCarthy and Tyke Burns so they've gotten a little light on second row so um, like I, I think it I keep hearing that Italy are, are much better this year and they have certainly improved and they won last year against Wales and they beat um, Australia obviously in, in November and, and they were, they ran France close when France didn't play very well but they still, still committed some grave errors against France like France really should have beaten them by a lot more and like Benetton are better this year but Zebra are, are, are still pretty rubbish um, I, 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 they have improved to a degree and they're more exciting to watch and Garbisi will make them better this weekend but mm-hmm. I, I just don't see how they've closed the gap to to an Ireland team that are beating all around them and, yeah. and are scoring bonus points tries against France albeit at home the one thing is that they have put an awful lot of stock into Rome and Stephen Varney spoke a couple of weeks ago about how they've almost you know teams do this, this theming before games and, and they they they've put this big coliseum theme on Rome and how they want to be hard to beat and for other teams it's coming to their coliseum and look it's only words but it it, it is something that they have put an awful lot of stock in and they want to make themselves hard to beat in Rome so I think they will be obdurate but Ireland have all the tools to unlock them and if they start making the mistakes they made against France I think Ireland will be far more clinical and their defence will turn um, Italian carelessness into tries so even if Ireland don't break them down with their own attack if if Italy go after their breakdown which I fully expect them to do when they're trying to play it out at their own 22 I would expect Ireland to have strategies in place to try and basically turn the ball over in that that scenario and then go and score so um, I think Italy will try and narrow the gap with Ireland I think Ireland are are not at the Italy will have identified games that, that are winnable and I think they would have seen France in that first game as one of them Wales at the end as the other I think with Ireland and maybe this is patronising you know this is the kind of stuff they'll be talking about on Monday if they if they pull it off but I think with Ireland they're talking about narrowing the gap you know that's where the level Ireland are at right now Yeah yeah, and with that as well Rory is what you know like what's good about Ireland as well they didn't come out and say we had the perfect defence system against France you know I spoke about the last time I was on with you Joe how you know when they lost the ball trying to recover and get that get that defensive back into its shape and um, I think Easterby came out and said look we're, we weren't happy at times with France so they're going they're going to have really worked on that this week as well so you will see massive pressure on Italy I know Italy will target our breakdown but I think Ireland are going to put huge pressure and especially trying to get their formation because we know what Italy are like on the counter-attack. Yeah. What in particular, Fiona, when it comes to Ross Byrne, presuming he starts, what will you be looking for from him? Just if he can bring that control that he's been bringing since he came on. I think, um, you know, he's he's very lucky. He's got Gary Ringrose outside him. And even if it's McCluskey or Aki, um, all the players around him seem to, will will talk to him and, you know, they'll make him feel less pressure. We, we've seen that. They they done it to Murray last week. You could see how, how they helped him throughout the game. And we know that Ross Burns' kick and boots are absolutely amazing. We know what he can do from the, the tee. But I like this, I'd, I'll be looking at what he's, he's kicking his life out of hand is, is he going to try a couple of uh, 50-22s and, and basically a lot of the time a lot of people speak about how far he plays behind the gain line he's definitely improved this this year I've seen him playing on the gain line and just varying up that game and getting the forwards involved and, and getting everyone involved like Johnny does being able to pull the strings so we look back at the game and no one's talking about him even he's been that good and natural Yeah it's funny um I don't know if you saw Rory, uh, Brian O'Driscoll and Jamie Roberts teamed up again and were talking through how their partnership worked in 09. 
and it's just a throwaway comment from Roberts as they're going through um, various uh, situations in that massive BT uh, studio and so they have like amateur players who throw you know mm. you be the 10 you be the defence and it's funny Roberts just says because we I think it's something you hear in Irish media a lot about the depth of 10 where I'm obsessed with it and Roberts says that they start the play just says to like the young kid who's like yeah you see you're not you're you're a bit deep there you need to go forward and actually if you're not there their defensive line is going to rush onto us Yeah, and this is you know again it's almost cliche and it's, it's rugby 101 but like the phrase well Look at Sexton, hips facing forward, taking it to the line. We we ne- we don't have a ten who has done that as well as him in the last decade, and that's that's where Byrne has improved. It does seem. Yeah, definitely, and, and people who know a lot more about LF play than I have said that over the course of the year that there is marked improvements in the way because we always knew that he had that kicking game that is that is kicking out of hand is is possibly better than Sexton at times. He's, he, like those cross kicks that he puts in are, are so pinpoint and so accurate. His goal kicking is is world class. But I think what damaged him the most in 2021 when he basically played his way out of the team during that Six Nations was when he came on against France with the game in the balance, he got deeper and deeper and the team just couldn't find a way to win when they were when the, when it was there for them to win it. And he just, yeah. you know, I think that, that was what damaged him the most in Farrell's eyes and it took him two years to convince him to get back in there. Um, and you can see it now. You can see when he comes on. Like, this is a different challenge. This is the third star for Ireland. His first two both came at Twickenham. One was that World Cup warm-up, which went disastrously wrong, which was wasn't really his fault. And Joe Smith basically stopped talking to him in the camp after that. Um, and he was out the out of the squad within a couple of weeks. And the second one was in lockdown. He was picked for that Autumn Nations Cup game where Ireland just got kept at arm's length by England uh, in an empty stadium. Ryan's first captaincy experience as well. And you know, this is a big day for him to kind of run the show. He's had two weeks of running the show now because Sexton is there, but he's not training. Um, he's travelling with the team, so he still will have a presence around the pitch. Um, but I should, what I think is really important this week is that it doesn't all fall on Ross Byrne. That it, the, what we've seen, and James Ryan and James Lowe have both spoken about this at different times, is that when Sexton's not there, we don't our standards slip. And, and that can't happen. And that's up to Ryan, to Peter O'Mahony, to Gary Ringrose and Aki or if it's Aki outside of of, um, of Ross Byrne to make sure that the team performance doesn't drop just because Sexton's not there and that shouldn't all fall on one player yes. and that's one of the harsh things that's fallen on Carberry I think is that a lot of the teams slipping like the, that first test in New Zealand is the obvious example when Sexton goes off midway through the first half Ireland are flying and within 10 minutes the game is over at half time and the, the big change was that Carberry came on for Sexton but it wasn't necessarily Carberry's fault it was the fault of the team that was when their their guiding light was gone they lost their way and it does seem like they're more set up to thrive without him than they've ever been before and that's what the big and most impressive thing out of the France win was for me now we're seeing it over two weeks can they find their way in, and I know it's not a big challenge against Italy you know it's it's a much different proposition yeah. than France but without Sexton guiding the team throughout training for two weeks can they deliver the same start the same accuracy can they blow Italy out of the water in the way that they should without him there and the signs are so far that they will be able to do that and that burn because of his experiences with Leinster and his, his self-belief levels where they are now they will be able to do it but until we see him do it he's never done it before you know he's, he's lost both games he started mm. they're both very difficult games away in Twickenham but it's it's a big challenge for him Fiona we should touch on James Ryan the captain as well be interesting to observe uh, he was asked about his approach and he said you'd have to ask the other guys I suppose I tried to lead by example which is a boring answer but hopefully leading by actions this weekend is the plan it's funny 
we and I, <laughs> I think we can actually make this mistake with taller people and just assume they're natural leaders. I, I could say like this evolutionary thing. <laughs> uh, certainly after the 19 World Cup, I do remember Joe Schmidt being asked, well, who should be captain now as Rory best departs the scene? And, and, and Ryan was in the form of his life, give or take yeah. several months. And, you know, Schmidt, while being very respectful, was sort of saying, oh, I'm not sure he's necessarily ready. And, and just one or two other uh, comments here or there have led me to maybe mistakenly put two and two together and just think he mightn't be a natural born leader. And yet they do keep going back to him. So they obviously identify something in him. He's 26 years of age now. I think this maybe is his fifth time captain. Seventh. Seventh, excuse me. So I was writing a piece on him. So it's fresh in my mind. Okay, that was impressive (laughs) knowledge. Uh, What have you observed in Ryan the captain thus far, Fiona? Yeah, look, I, I I think it's, I think I'm delighted for him. I think after he was captain, you know, the last couple of times before these, like before Ireland started to perform well, I thought he was put under a lot of pressure. He looked like his game probably um, that maybe the captaincy was getting to him in how he was playing. He wasn't playing the best rugby of his life, but look, he looks like a different character now. I'd agree with um, his mentality around captain is people have different things. You know, you've natural leaders. Um, so when I would have played Fiona Coughlin would have been a natural leader whereas Kira Griffin when she was captain in Ireland watch how you watch how she plays and you go out there and you want to play for her you she's not all talk and I would imagine he's a little bit around that area James Ryan is like that as well he puts the performances in a training he's very physical and he says very few words but what he says means something and I think he has obviously earned the right to be captain. He, he's in Farrell's head the whole time. We can see if Johnny's not available, he's the guy in the pack. He's putting his hand up. And you've you've guys like Peter Romani who've been around a long time and capping their province. So for for James Ryan to 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 come into his mind, I would imagine he's he's doing the correct type of talking at training. And he's someone you know a, a lot of people haven't talked about him, but I think in this Six Nations, he's one of my top players in in watching how he's playing. I think he's performing really well. He's back to when we original he saw him break onto the scene you almost feel like he could be 30 years of age when you hear he's 26 I, I feel like he's almost been around forever but he's playing some of the best rugby and Farrell is into that psychology of players and I and I firmly believe in making him captain he'll mm. get the best out of him and he, he will he will perform on Saturday as well he'll be able to cope with that pressure First point Rudd he's playing well as Fiona says that's a prerequisite it was interesting when uh Brian O'Driscoll and, and Craig Doyle and Dr. Irwin were in the camp that Ryan reportedly stood up and spoke brilliantly. And, and you know, maybe at 26, feeling more confident in that realm. Um, so those two points point to him well, being more able to, to step into that role. The other aspect of captaincy, and I think he was criticised in Paris, Paris last yeah. year, there's the decision making on the field aspect, kick for points or kick to touch. And, and he was criticised that night. Yeah. So they're the, the various fronts you have to master. He's 26 now. Yeah, and I think we can forget that he had a number of concussions and he spoke before the South Africa game last year about how his form dipped in 2020, 2021 because he was worried about his, his health. You know, he was worried going into contact. He was worried about his own performances. And then you, do, you throw in the fact that in 2018 he was bulletproof yeah. and he won every game and he was on this miraculous run and he's, he's since spoken about how he, he just thought this was going to last forever and then suddenly 2019 happened and that's a good punch for a player who's sailing along and then suddenly the team falls apart and his form drops and then he gets a couple of injuries so he's been asked to lead the team and captain the team but he knows he's not playing as well as he could be and 
he's also dealing with the disappointment of his world his world basically cr- crumbling you know going from a Grand Slam winner to a World Cup humiliation so I think all of that knocked him and, and he wasn't the player he he had previously been whereas in New Zealand in the second test having been outplayed by Sam Whitelock in the first game he found his form again and he started dominating and in the third test when Whitelock returned after his, his injury absence he was the better player on the day and I think that was huge for him and this year he looks like the player he was in 18 although a more mature version he's going after the opposition line out at the right times he's making huge impacts and the numbers say he's 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 getting up to the level that he was at he looks slightly bigger he looks stronger he looks at the pinnacle of his powers and that allows you to think about leading a bit more I think and having captained the team six times in the past in different experiences, defeats in Paris, defeats in Twickenham. His first experience was away in Twickenham, um, a couple of lesser games. He's learned through all of those, and he thinks now there's no guarantee he's going to get it all right on Saturday either, or um, that he is the long term successor because Leinster think Gary Ringrose is the next captain, and, and that is an interesting decision that may have ramifications for Ireland as well. But um, he's certainly a better player now than he was a year ago, and he's fulfilling the promise that we all had in him now he was never that bad and he's he's 51 caps at at, um, at 26 years of age like he's he's on he's on the the way to being a, a test centurion and an all-time great um but he fell below the standards that he'd set previously um i was at his press conference today he's still in that environment still quite a, a closed shop he doesn't really even the quotes that you've read there like you know sexton Sexton is great value for us. We turn up and he we, we get gold. Whereas Ryan is still, you're still pulling teeth a little bit with him, and he's still you know one on one or in a small group. He's very good, and he is well able to hold his own on on talk of politics and history and the fact that his family connection goes back to the Easter Rising and things like that. But when you ask him about team stuff, he's still a little bit of a way to go in terms of that cap, Ireland captain um, kind of uh, do presence. Do you think that's important? Um, I think if you're going to be a good captain I think that's part of it but I don't think it's something that's necessary at this point where he's standing in and I think he will grow more comfortable because there's a clearly a very charismatic intelligent guy behind it who is not yet ready to and Alan Wynne Jones will be someone over the years who has gotten mm-hmm. more interested or more effusive and more comfortable in that realm because it's not easy sitting in a clammy dressing room with you know a room full of people you don't know trying to you know like that's not an easy scenario but it is something that Sexton now just walks in and he just holds court you know because he's and 37 and he and it's such different like 26 is middle of your career rugby it's a very young person mm. in real life to s- sit in there yeah. in front of all these journalists largely older men yeah you know who've been, ri- who've been writing stuff about you for six years not all of a complimentary <laughs> you know so that, that is hard to park you know and that's just something that, that a captain that's part of what he has to learn he also has to do post-match functions you know pre-match team talks things you've got to layer into it yeah. but um, I was interested in what Brian O'Driscoll said last week I think the fact that he's able to do that suggests that behind, and behind the scenes he's really popular he picks the music in the dressing room uh, he's known as the big cheese like there's a personality there that we haven't really seen in the in the and like Peter Romani's chosen never really to show that inner personality personality uh, in some ways in the media and that's fine that's his choice and some of them don't but like yeah. there is uh, it's just part of the captaincy package that that you you know you can choose not to bring but it, it it can help I think set the tone externally when you're more comfortable with it well there's no doubt Sexton is using the media now in a very clever way often I think just to send messages to the group mm, absolutely and yeah. it's uh, very effective I'm sure and they, t- they they take note when he says X or Y yeah but he's um, almost like a, just, an extra assistant coach 
Sorry, just on that point as well, Joe, when you just you're talking it have with Ireland as well, um, I've noticed when it comes to those key big decisions, you'll see the likes of Peter Romani, you know, even Johnny, he's discussing it with the other players. Maybe Farrell has those two or three leaderships. So I think that takes that pressure off Ryan when it comes to game day, whether he goes for a scrum, whether he kicks to the corner, whether it's it's three points. So it's technically you can't blame one person. Everyone's gonna have an opinion and he'll obviously make the, the final decision on that. that. That's been a really interesting evolution, I think. In in the last maybe it was happening before but Sexton goes to Ryan and says what do you want to do and he goes I feel good about the mall let's go to the corner okay. um, in the end game of the uh, Australia game it was Ross Byrne who mm-hmm. said we're kicking that penalty I think it was Ryan was the on-field captain at the time I think Peter Manny started that game as captain and Ryan I think had fin- finished the game as captain and Ryan looked at Byrne two St. Michael's lads two Lancer lads Byrne went obviously, you know, obviously I'm kicking this and you know gave him the ball so there is um it, 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 I think he spoke today about how himself, Henderson, and Byrne will be the kind of the three trio of, of the key decision makers on the pitch. Yeah. So I'm possibly breaking an embargo there, but that's okay. Oh, it's fine. Just Nobody's, Nobody's listening. <laughs> uh, the psychology of all that's so interesting. In that, you would say on the one hand, it makes perfect sense for captain, whoever captain is, to consult leader of them all. How are we going up front? What's your sense of a scrum with these guys or a kicker? How are you feeling? How do you like that side? What do you think? So on paper, you'd say, well, that's the logical thing to do. And yet there's so many examples. Uh, O'Gara saying, I wasn't feeling confident at all. Next thing O'Connell said, you're kicking it, go. And then I kicked it. And so sometimes he was, O'Gara was saying, maybe you're not the best judge sometimes of your own capabilities. So to consult or not to consult, there's an argument both ways. I suppose ultimately, Fiona, these decisions, we judge them from the comfort of our journalist chairs afterwards, knowing how it transpired and say whether they were right or wrong. Exactly. Even at the time, I'm probably shouting at the telly, telling them what to do. But look, I, I think it's great that they're they're all involved in that. It's only okay. it's the correct process. I think you need to ask everyone if they're comfortable, and 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 someone will, 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 you'll see by their face that they really fancy it. I think you can see straight away. And I suppose it's like say your kicker says, "Yeah, I'd like I'll uh, I'll kick it if you want me to." It's hard yeah. then to go, "Yeah, kick it." <laughs> you know, it, it actually no, it actually happened in an AOL final. I looked at Briggs, and she's normally a dominant. We were with Bose at the time. She's normally a dominant kicker, and I looked at her and I said, Do you, and she was like, um, I'll try or I'll give it a go or something." Like, and I was like, "All right, we'll go to the corner." I just because <laughs> I knew her straight away. She's normally so confident and yeah. and uh, and knows her stuff. For her to look like that, she must have had a niggle somewhere or something. Yeah, I guess there's no hard and fast rules. Depends on the personalities, depends on the situation. Yeah, and this team strategy of play as well. They yeah. go out there with it. Like the, you, it's noticeable they go to the corner most of the time, although in that Leinster final against La Rochelle, they took all their points and that was one of the things that people felt yeah. bit them in the ass in the end. And but Sexton it's always up. after time. And like, yeah. you know, I mean, it's even Chris Robshaw going to the corner against Wales that time yeah, yeah, yeah. and them all to the, at the front. You know, the one last year, I didn't get to see that game live. I was I was off and, and I, I listened to all the podcasts before I actually saw the Ireland-France game. I was And I had listened to all the talk about this penalty. I was like, I think that was a good decision, and I, I, yeah. I've spoken to people since who, even though Ryan got pilloried for it, you got he has a feel for the game in the moment, and like just because they felt they could get back down there, they missed their opportunity. France came up and won it, but I, I, I felt too much was made of that in the weird scenario I was in where I didn't see it live. I know? totally agree with that. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we need talking points. It's one of these things that we do end up talking about, but I. I Oh, sorry. I, didn't I mean, think if you watch the version post match, I thought it was a disgrace. <laughs> we're talking about it there loads, but yeah, because um, it's interesting. Even after that La Rochelle game, 
I don't think it had been criticised on the commentary or nobody was saying it's crazy Leinster taking the points and in Sexton's post-match interview he wasn't even asked about it and one of the first things he said was I'm sure lots of people thought we made a mistake kicking those points but Johnny's always thinking about what we're going to say uh, he's <laughs> always he's always second guessing what the but I was like do you think it's a mistake now? Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> um, so that's Ireland-Italy I guess uh, we'll see how it goes it, it's kind of it's, it, we've had Italy in the gap week a few times now of yeah. late and it does take well, it makes it hard, out of and it makes it hard for the coach because you've got free weekend before free weekend after I think if this was round four yeah. you could see more changes but if you take uh, Caelan Doris out then he's not playing for pretty much a month yes. in between games yeah. and that's it's hard I mean I don't know it's, I, it's something I should probably check out um, it's my job some would argue that's my job but I don't know why the Six Nations have had the same schedule pretty much for the last two or three years it's worth asking the question if you had to you, hazard a guess I, th- I presume it's broadcasters I'd like, they like having England France late on late in, late in the day and um like it has, it's flicked up a little bit, but like we see the end up at Wales and yeah. uh, Wales on the opening day and Italy in round three. Certainly, Ireland England has migrated more often than not to Paddy's week. Yeah, nineteen mm-hmm. being the exception with Dublin. First, yeah. first up, which gave it a certain impetus. Yeah, but this game, yeah, like uh, Ireland could do with lobbying for this game to be yeah, flicked into a so. different window because you know one thing we haven't you know as you look towards the Grand Slam and, and whether Ireland can do it, having Scotland on a Sunday and France on a Saturday or sorry England on a Saturday is is it is a tough enough way to finish. Whereas if you had a trip to Rome followed by that, that England game at home it would be a bit more manageable you could probably rest a few Fiona final point Connacht have confirmed what I think was expected and Pete Wilkins is the head coach as of uh, well I guess next year but now pretty much so Pete Wilkins will assume overall responsibility for the site next season Andy Friend is currently director of rugby he will uh, depart the scene we must invite Andy on the show and have a chat to him about his uh, reign so Wilkins has signed a three year deal uh, he was appointed defence coach in 17 he's been around the scene a long time has obviously done enough to impress people and I don't know do you have a, a strong reaction either way to his appointment? No I think it's good um, I've been reading stuff online just what people are thinking and you know a lot of a lot of people are pointing to the fact of Connick's defence I suppose at times but you can't just that he was defence coach but look he moved on to attack I think he's been around the province he, he was away with the Emerging Ireland tour as well um, when you're in a, a system of coaches um you can, you know, you obviously focus on one area, but it's it's obviously the head coach that will have the overall style. So it'll be interesting to see what he'll bring. We know he's been in, he's he's worked in the Southern Hemisphere and Northern Hemisphere. So he's had a mixture of, of both types of styles of rugby. So will he implement that free-flowing game? You know, he obviously has done what Andy Friend had. I think the big thing about Connacht will be interesting is to see who else is coming on board with him. Um, I know there's talk that maybe Cully Tucker might uh, go back. He's done wonders for the Scrum, I thought this year with Connacht, I thought their scrum has been outstanding. Um, you have uh, the line out coach as well. Um, they haven't confirmed any of these, and we know Massey Lawler's heading back to Munster. So I think who he brings in around him will be essential to see for how he gets on and how he's going to coach this team. But I think it's it's good to see guys that are involved in the system be rewarded with head coach roles. It's very easy to go outside and pick just head coaches that have have done jobs in previous regions and bring them in. I think for coaches to see a path way that if you can work in a certain position and build your build your CV up that there is a chance that you will eventually get that um, head coach role and he must have impressed the RFU in the interview also Yeah it's, this is akin to Roundtree it turns out we've done an, an, an exhaustive search it turns out he was already here well, I th- there was a sense I think that Wilkins was a front runner from the start I mean he went on the New Zealand tour as part of the Ireland coaching ticket last summer and 
that suggests that he's very highly regarded as a coach and also that Nusifora likes him so Nusifora is very heavily involved in the appointment of, Nash, of the, each of the provinces coach so that's that's a leg up for you when you're going into this. How um, heavily involved do you think? Very, very. Yeah, uh, it's his job. But he's like he he would have probably identified friend and presented him to Connacht as an option, and you know he would have the connections, the the global kind of contact book to go and find coaches for the provinces yeah. a lot of the we time. Couldn't overrule the Connacht CEO. Oh, he could. Yeah, I think that's a discussion, but I think like he can he can certainly rule people out if he doesn't if he doesn't like them. He's that powerful. I think yeah. it's part of. I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's part of his remit to a point. So the assistant coaches are are on Connacht, but the head coach is is a is a is an RFU appointment okay. largely. So he's very very highly regarded. He's as Fiona says, he's been around the world. Um, English coach with you know one of these guys who hadn't got a big playing career who yeah. ended up going and, and coaching in Australia. Interesting guy, um, and it's continuity, and he knows the squad. As Fiona hinted at, like it sounds like DeWalt Senegal, they're very highly regarded forwards coach is gone, he's gone to France, so that's a big loss to them. This talk John will do might come back as part of this new coaching ticket, so that's TBD. But like Connacht, because of the stadium and the size of their squad, like they're kind of middling along a little bit. Like it's hard to know what success looks like for looks like for them at the moment. If they finish strong and go top eight and get into Europe, brilliant. But you know, can they keep backing that up? It's a really hard station. It's yeah. not an easy job, and I'm sure that was a big factor in terms of who applied to it. Well, you'd wish him well. We'll have him on the show very soon, hopefully. So Pete Wilkins, Connor coach, uh, that's confirmed as of today. We are out of time. Fiona, pleasure as always. Thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Rory. Cheers, Rory O'Connor. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Fiona Hayes with us. Rory O'Connor of the Irish Independent. Our rugby coverage and off the ball is with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us